Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Movie Magpies. This week we will be looking at a classic, a favourite among many. We'll be looking at Spirited Away. I'm your host as always, William Mortlock, and with me is my co-host, Monique. Without further ado, let's get straight into it. I loved the intro, Will. <laughs> so, Monique, I think it's pretty easy to say that this is a film that doesn't really have mixed reviews. In all honesty, I'm certain that everyone has a very positive outlook for it and really loves this film. So if you have the same mentality, then this is just going to be more reinforcement for that, of course. Yeah, I suppose this is a movie that I have very nostalgic feelings about, so I was always going to sway sort of in favour of this movie with my bias, no matter what we did. But upon watching it from an analytics perspective, I feel like it really does hold up, and there's a reason why it's so beloved, like many other Ghibli films. Yeah, absolutely. It, It stays true to what it is, and as a result, it walks away with so much positive response and it ends up being timeless because it doesn't try to tackle anything that isn't universal. Yeah, and even in the art style that's used, it has this sort of like timeless vintage feel about it almost, where even watching it today, you know, obviously this movie came out in 2001. Yes. It still like holds up animation-wise because of the style that they picked and because of how yeah. timeless the clothing of the characters is. Yeah, I was going to say specifically talking about how the animation hasn't aged at all is because very clearly they've chosen to go with a stylistic design over realism as you'll come to understand or you'll recognize with films that try to be more realistic than well animated films that try to be more realistic or on the more realistic side of animation those don't age well at all no yeah no i completely agree with you they usually end up looking worse for wear much much sooner yeah so if you make an animated film always kind of try and aim to go with a stylistic look because it's always going to end well for you and because spirited away is synonymous with this beautiful ghibli style of course it's going to be one of most people's favorites in terms of the ghibli movies i think a lot of people have very clear favorites when it comes to films that come from Ghibli, but I know that people keep coming back to Spirited Away. I will actually quickly admit something. Yes, um. So, in Australia, of course, we do have Ghibli films, and that's not actually what I'm about to bring up, and it's not the reason why what I'm about to bring up is why it is, but I only actually saw the full movie. I only watched Spirited Away in full in my 20s, so... William... And this is purely because I just didn't watch it. (laughs) I'm shocked. Yeah, well, it's going to be something that is a little odd for sure. But yeah, I didn't watch Spirited Away as a kid. But I watched it it as an adult and it still managed to have that same strong and profound effect. I don't have the nostalgia that you have leading into it, but I still have that great love of it. Purely because it is just an immensely beautiful film. Well... That's very good to hear. Yeah, no, I've actually met, funnily enough, a couple people who have 
either never or only just recently seen Ghibli movies and it's such a like a shocking difference because I obviously grew up on a lot of these movies we uh, had and so it's interesting that even without that sort of nostalgia element you still have the same I guess general feelings or positive emotions associated with the movie yeah and I think it's mostly in part due to the fact that the film consistently keeps the idea of pushing this beautiful and simple story at the forefront. Yeah, it never tries to be anything more than a nice children's film with a sort of uh, wholesome meaning. It doesn't try and tackle anything too large. It doesn't, like, uh, obviously in the grand scheme of things, the stakes of the movie is actually pretty high, but it doesn't lean into that. It's not like, oh, this is life or death. It's just like, this is about finding yourself and holding on to the things that are dear to you and remembering, you know, what you love sort of thing. And it's it's really, really nice to see a movie that doesn't really lean into that, like, oh, if you don't have a good arc, then everyone will die type of thing. Yeah. Or at least not blowing things out of proportion, I guess, is the way Well, I think it's that. more that it just works on a completely simple scale in that we have, for the most part of the film, one location... We have a single main character and a small assortment of side characters, but it all remains quite simple and quite perfectly put together in a way that works to its benefit in that our hero Chihiro, um, she doesn't have a character arc at all. She is consistently herself the entire way through, and I think this is actually a trend in most modern kids' films, is that the main hero will remain true to themselves, and as a result, it will still have this really... The film will still have this really nice narrative arc, but it doesn't necessarily need to have the hero go through the arc. No, yeah, I totally agree with you. I disagree very, very slightly. I think she doesn't have a typical arc. Obviously, her base character doesn't change. She just sort of finds her own inner strength and confidence in herself, I suppose. At the start of the movie, she's very much moping about her situation and lamenting about the things that are happening to her. Whereas by the end of the movie, of course, she's more in control of making the best of her situation. Yeah, and I guess in that respect, it's that's fair. None of that is shown on the outset. It's more this is a single lesson that she's learned as opposed to a gradual building to character change, and that's why I don't necessarily refer to it as a character arc, because it's not really an arc, it's more a single point and then it's change. Fair enough, yeah. I guess that's why I would see it as untraditional, because to me, an arc is a change in character, whether core or just becoming, you know, a better version of themselves. Both things to me seem like the same type of, well, I would categorize those both as arcs personally, just change in the character in general. I understand that that's probably not how you should actually define it, it's just the way that I think about it. Sure. Within the, the model of a character arc, a character needs to go through regular changes where they're introduced to their ideal self and then challenged to either return to their previous self and or 
maintain with their ideal self and in a typical or a stereotypical story structure three-act structure or even a five-act structure the hero will either revert back to their old self f during the crisis and then finally come to terms with their true self or they will maintain on their true path and face the consequences of that and only learn to deal with them later on with Chihiro it's not at all like that in that she's never challenged to be anything other than herself and throughout that she's more just not even encouraged she's more just supported in who she is as a person and as a result at the end she's not afraid of being who she is right okay yeah, yeah. i understand where you're coming from i think also it does a really good job in making sure that none of the characters are necessarily evil either so that you never have this overwhelming sense of dread when you're introduced to characters or when Chihiro is up against characters. I think there's always this consistent sense that there's still an enjoyable nature to the film because all the characters are kind of interesting and they have this depth to them consistently throughout the film. I love that you brought that up because one of my favourite things about Ghibli movies is how they romanticize the mundane in such a subtle way. Of course, in the real world, in your everyday life, you're never really going to have a main antagonist. You're not going to have... You may have people who disrupt you or hold you back or annoy you, but there's never really, you know, a big villain in everyday life. Yeah. And this movie does such a subtle way of portraying that in, you know, obviously a child story and I really really love how it makes everyday life seem so much more vibrant I suppose would be the way that I put it yeah that's fair so I would yeah I would say that with the not even necessarily bad characters but the characters that impede Chihiro's and then eventually Sen's path it they're more doing what they do for their own reasons but you can also see their own reasons and it never comes across as being anything intentionally malicious towards Chihiro it's more for reasons that you can see maybe not understand fully but you can ultimately recognize as yeah. being as being things that are well that have reason to them and as a result no they never come across as evil of course no one is out to specifically hinder Chihiro they're just there as their own people doing their own goals which yeah. happen to butt up against hers and i do really like that by the end of the film no one's really a main antagonist like our sort of main antagonists throughout the movie every time we hit a confrontation with them they become less of an antagonist and more of just someone who is going through their own thing which yeah i really enjoy yeah, and it gives... Because all of the characters, not just the bad guys, for lack of a better word, and the main character, the protagonist, have depth. Every character that you're more introduced to has depth and subtle cues and these little things about them that make them more vibrant as side characters in a world where you aren't really given a whole lot of insight or exposition into. And that was kind of the next point that I was going to lead on to, is that because we spend most of the time in one specific place, that being the bathhouse, if you're not familiar, but what do you think of the world building surrounding this seemingly unknown world, the spirit world, that Chihiro ends up trapped in? I have... A little bit of a conflicting feeling about the world building 
if only because of course they do a lot of visual storytelling and the world building is always left open so there's a lot that you can imagine for yourself sure. and of course it gives them the room not to step on their own toes and break any of their own rules within the universe That's fair. for instance the backgrounds are very very interesting to look at there's always something other than the character to focus on whether it's just the detail that they've been putting into the backgrounds or the background characters themselves which I really enjoy at the same time and I think you might have had a slight issue with this as well sometimes Chihiro she says things out loud that are almost pointless or incredibly obvious and it strikes me as weird exposition I can give it a bit of a pass because I understand that obviously Chihiro is a little girl and sometimes when you're in a stressful situation you talk to yourself you're like right I just got to do this I have to find this person like so I can let it go to a certain extent but I did notice it especially the older I get in watching this film of course because I have seen it many 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 times now it irks me a little bit more every time I watch just as I get older and notice that she's doing it I'm like oh that's an interesting choice Here's the thing about that. I think I wrote a note about it specifically that she does exposit points that are happening in our immediate periphery. However, I never actually considered that a bad thing because in this film, when Chihiro does that, it's an opportunity for her to talk to us and build this immersion into this into this world because I feel like if something random and miraculous happened in our own lives we'd go oh it's a miraculous thing happening and for that i think it actually does help build this immersion into the world because again she is a little girl and she's not she's not expositing information she's not going oh and this is the explanation to the world that is a this thing and in japanese mythology it means this she's not doing that she's going oh look it's a dragon and that's alright, because she's a little girl, so that makes her a realistic character, in my mind. Yeah, of course. She is ten years old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It makes her... It, it's not even really a gripe that I have. If she was, say, older and in a world that she knew quite intimately, but was constantly asking these questions or expositing this stuff, that would be annoying. And she'd come across as stupid. And I do like that it usually only happens if she's A, in some high stress situation. Yeah. Or B, trying to understand something that she's never seen before. So when I say it's a gripe, I say it more as the older I get, the more I notice it. Because the older I get, the less likely I myself would do that. Except, of course, sometimes you do it in your own house. You'll be, like, cleaning up and you're like, I just need to take out the trash. Yeah, but also in some respect, because you've watched this film so many times, you recognise that more and more and you're used to the world as opposed to Chihiro who's seeing it for the first time. Which is, yeah, of course. for you, it would come across as quite grating. Just, just... And to her, because she's experiencing it for the first time, it's new. Out of, yeah, out of place. But with my question about the world building, specifically what I'm talking about is more... The world is vibrant, but we're not actually given a whole lot of insight into it. And I'm not really talking about the exposition. I'm talking about, and I'll talk about this in depth in the in-depth review. Well, in the in-depth conversation about it. But there are multiple different types of story building. Well, not story building. World building in storytelling. Mm -hmm. Ghibli chooses 
to more heavily focus on a softer style of world building. And this being, nothing about this world is explained. You can look into it later, and that's also part of my pointless research, but you can look into it later, but in the moment, in this film, you actually don't get full explanations of anything at all. And you're left to put together pieces and figure out your own answers to it within the bounds of what we're given. And as a result, this is what Ghibli do really, really well with this kind of soft world building. It makes the story intimately tailored to you because it also doesn't rely on your imagination, but it invites your imagination to work with it. Because we're yeah. given a lot of really beautiful depictions where there's no explanation at all. Mm-hmm. In that, right at the start of the film, the dad, who, I'm just going to put this out right now, the parents are fucking idiots. Oh my gosh, they have absolutely no common sense. Yeah, but the dad brings up a really interesting point. He says this was probably an amusement park that failed. Why are spirits there? We never get an answer to that. But it doesn't matter because you can put it together in your own mind and it, it ultimately this question can be done away with a simple, they're spirits that can go wherever the fuck they want. Yeah, and of course. And that's what I find really, really interesting. We'll talk about it more later, but I wanted to ask you specifically, was the absence of exposition into the world, this fantasy world, or magic or spiritual world, was the absence of exposition, did it have a negative or positive effect on how you view this film? This is actually a really difficult question for me just because I have such an intimate knowledge of the film. If I had seen it for the first time recently, I believe that it would have irked me until about halfway through, just sure. because, of course, in watching movies with me, you've obviously realised I'm one of those people that asks a lot of questions. I'm like, why are yeah. they doing that? What's happened? What? Where did that come from? But because I have known this movie for so long and watched it so many times, it was back before I had those sort of questions about movies. Yeah. So I feel like, for me, seeing it when I was younger for the first time, it had an inherently positive experience on me because it let me imagine what was going on and just, you know, the general age that I would have seen this as a child. You don't have as many questions about the plot of a movie. You're more just in it because yeah, sure. the movie is pretty and, like, enjoyable. But, of course, if I had seen this, like you had sort of in my 20s for the first time I feel like for yeah probably the first third if not half of the movie it might have irked me a little bit it's definitely something I could have let go because I do watch films where they don't explain a lot to you sure. and I managed to pick it up quickly it is just one of those things where the inherent nature as I've gotten older I like to know the answers to things so sure <laughs> well, I think with this film more specifically, I don't think they don't answer a lot of questions. I don't think it's that. I think it's more that they allow it to be open to interpretation within a certain bounds, because ultimately you, you wouldn't go out of the appropriate range of thought when it comes to s stuff like this. But I think Spirited Away really guides you in interpreting what you see in a way that is conducive to the story. 
and as a result it makes the story more more enjoyable i don't think it's this lack of exposition in this film or this lack of explanation of the world i think it's more that the world exists and then you're dropped into it and you're slowly drip fed little bits of it and you're only ever given enough to stand on your own and then you can build upon it however you will and i do act actually really love that about yeah. a lot of the Ghibli movies I watch. In fact, Spirited Away is one of my top most favorite Ghibli movies. Yeah. So I'm not saying that it's a lack of exposition. I suppose from my perspective, it's more, I have grown up with this film so intimately. It's been intertwined in my life for as long as I can remember. It's like coming home to a dish cooked by your mum for me. But it's just, I know personally, if I had seen the movie, enough of an explanation if I was watching it, say, and I went, wait, why is that happening? If someone just went, because it's magic, I would have been like, oh, okay, and let it go. It's not that I wanted a definitive answer or the exposition to explain it. It's more just in that very split second when it first comes on screen. Screen, my immediate thought is, oh, are they going to answer that? So... Yeah, that's fair enough. I will say, so, with the introduction to the story, we're given a little bit of insight into Chihiro right from the get-go. We're given enough to actually go on from the moment we start, and then we're not left to learn about her character, which is something that we spend so much time doing in other films, where you get an origin or an explanation of why they are the way they are. We get Chihiro, who is a little girl who's just moved away from her friends, and you're shown that right from the start in the car where she's holding some flowers and a, a goodbye letter from her friends. And a lot of that stuff is never lost as well, which is really, really lovely to see because the car deck actually ends up being useful throughout the film. And this sense that she is who she is is already ingrained in us from the moment we see her on screen. And I think that's just really direct and really efficient storytelling. And I think this film does that really well as well, in that a lot of the stuff that needs to be told is... A lot of the stuff that in that is in the story that really needs to be told is told straight away and is told quickly and efficiently to the point where we're like, oh, we understand that. And then it moves on and you get to enjoy the majesty that is the rest of the world with the foreknowledge of these characters who have been explained to us quite quickly but well enough and in-depth enough that we don't feel like we are given a two-dimensional character we're given multiple three-dimensional characters in a 2d animated film and that's really wonderful because it makes us feel like there is a beauty beyond the majestic wonderful watercolor painted kind of world that we're watching but also in the characters who are in it and that I completely agree with you. Yeah. I really like that this movie starts. There's no really lead-in, mm. and immediately it gives you all the information. This is Chihiro. She's very young. She's moved away because her parents moved, and she's not happy about it. Yeah. And then we get straight into the story. I love the characterization in this movie. It feels yeah. very natural. Of course, please... I understand what I'm about to say is controversial. We watched the English dubbed version. So sometimes there are a few things that actually done a really good job with it, personally, in my opinion, but sometimes there are a few For stilted. a movie of its time, the dub is incredibly good. Yeah, exactly. There are, of course, with any dub, a few stilted moments where the dialogue isn't quite 100%. 
but the dialogue sure. throughout the movie still feels pretty natural for what it is. Yeah. And I really love how quickly you're immersed into, especially in those first couple minutes, Chihiro sitting in the back of the car with the flowers in her hand, acting exactly like you expect a young child to do. Yeah. Gripping her present from all her friends very tightly and pouting, and then immediately getting upset when she sees that a couple of the flowers are wilting. It's all very natural. It's all what you would expect. Yeah, exactly. Of We're not a given. Family. Yeah, we're not given anything unrealistic in the first three minutes. And as and a result, that really grounds us into Chihiro's mind, in mm-hmm. a way. We're given a sense that her parents are quite, not dismissive of her, but they're remarkably dull for who they are. But then as a result, it allows Chihiro in the story, from, right from the get-go, to be a little more independent and not saying that she's completely she doesn't need her parents at all from the start of the film but it's more that she can shine on her own because both of her parents are more backgrounded as characters and i think that really works to its to its benefit for sure it definitely starts this movie more mundane than magical and slowly eases you into the magical elements which really does help ground our protagonist properly and help us figure out who she is before she gets dropped into a world that we then have to figure out as well. Yeah. I like that they sort of push the parents to the background. Obviously, we know the parents are background characters. Yeah, but I think they I just like didn't that need they to be it, in it. it really. <laughs> no, as in, not <laughs> like, oh, you could cut them out of the story completely. I mean more, they didn't need to be in it in the sense that we need them introduced and we need them brought in, but it's like... No one, no one's going to say, oh yeah, they were my favourite characters, or no one's going to say that if Chihiro was just like, I'm going to leave my parents here, and then left the spirit world, then I don't think anyone would be like, oh, that's terrible. I think they'd be like, oh yeah, the parents still exist, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You sort of get about halfway through this movie, and she mentions them, and you're like, oh right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true. It's not important. But there's, there's I like a how that's more easily that transition is used, where they are, yeah. in fact, our transition into the magical world. Yes. And as a result, they become integral to the story without being too much of a character that well, we're constantly taken away from Chihiro's Yeah, I would say they almost, they almost reinforce the danger of the world, because from the get-go, once we're introduced to the spirit world... It's this beautiful, vibrant change to what we'd seen prior, prior before the sun had gone down, where it was this abandoned amusement park, and then it became this vibrant, beautiful Japanese village and society, which is filled with beautiful foods and amazing cultural standpoints. But I think what happens to the parents really helps reinforce the fact that this world is fucking dangerous for Chihiro. Because if we didn't have that, she'd be like, oh, this place is lovely. Why am I disappearing? And and then she would have just disappeared. And I think that's a really clever way of introducing the audience to this ever-present danger for Chihiro in that she is a human in the spirit world. And that's not a good thing. Yeah, and I really love how they do that. I really love how simplified but still deep and meaningful the storyline is. They make it incredibly easy to understand. They don't hold your hand through it. And they still manage to have a deeper meaning. And 
a moral to a story, which I suppose any good children's film has a little bit of a moral in it. It doesn't have yeah. to be, you know, the whole point of the film was to give this moral to the children. But no. most children's films that stick around and stand the test of time do have some form of underlying moral to them. Yeah. I suppose one last question for you. Sure. Just because you, of course, mentioned the parents wouldn't be your favourite characters. I no. do want to know what your favourite character is. My favourite character is the little frog who's a greedy little fuckface and yeah, that's it. No, uh, With no, I. Chat. He's great because I find him. <laughs> I find him. I think here's the thing. I'm gonna say it's literally nothing. I'm about to say is vulgar, but I'm gonna say he's the character I like the most because he's just this little fella who's just got a little bit of spice about him, and I like that. In all honesty, my favorite character is Kamaji because so much of his characterization is this subtle realization that he is far more than he's presented as and i think and we're that's definitely going to discuss that more in our in depth yeah i'm going to say quickly now before we run out of time what are your final thoughts on this and included in that who is your favorite character in this film as well i have always had big surprise a soft spot for haku but yeah, my <laughs> my favorite characters are actually the little soot sprites that live and work for Komaji. I just think that Again, there's so much personality. Oh shush, William. <laughs> I just think that they have so much personality put into them despite the fact that they are literally just soot balls and I love how much effort is put into character characterizing even the tiniest character in this film. So, yeah. I think what would fair. you rate this film actually out of soot sprites now that we're on the topic? Yeah, this week we are rating out of soot sprites. For me, I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. Spirited Away is an amazing film. It's undeniable that it's this beautifully enjoyable film. As I came to it quite late, I, as I said, I started watching this. Well, the first time I fully watched it through, I was in my 20s. So it's not going to stand as one of my absolute favourite films in the whole world. I think, if I can actually be completely honest, Howl's Moving Castle is one of my favourite Ghibli films. That and My Neighbor Totoro. Yes. We'll talk about that yes. at, at another point. Oh my God. But this film is absolutely beautiful, and I think it would be strange if I didn't adore it, and I do. So, yeah. What about you? I actually, because I do have such a strong bias to this, rated it a little lower because oh, I didn't damn. want to be playing to favoritism. I rated it a 6 out of 10, and it's just because this is a wonderful movie with deeper meaning woven throughout it. It gives really good feel-good vibes for me, and it's enjoyable anytime you watch it. I just rated it a little, little lower because I thought that I was maybe being a little bit biased. That is... <laughs> I mean, that's fair enough. I feel that you could always just rate it however you want, and I think that I think no one's going to blame you to do that. But ultimately, if that's your score, that's your score, and that's fair enough. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Movie Magpies. If Don't you... forget to catch us in our in-depth discussion. Yeah, if you'd like to listen to our in-depth discussion where we talk more about this stuff, my pointless research is about the real-world connections to the spirit world, and the inspirations for Spirited Away. I'm also, so excited. Yeah. Also, on from that, if you'd like to reach out to us, if you'd like to contact us, you can contact 
Monique at Nexatai on Twitter, and you can contact me at Will underscore Mortlock on Instagram or Greymouse Inc. on Twitter. Either one works fine for me. I'm usually more responsive on Instagram, so if you want to reach out to me there, feel free. But with all that said, see you next week.